On a very special writer's bagel basket, Scott invites Lils to talk about Clone High, and they'll probably get caught off guard and start talking about David Lynch like they always do. Well, anyways, Clone High, Litter Kills, it's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. Wesley. Way, way back in the 1980s, secret government employees dug up famous guys and ladies and made them using genetic copies. Now the clones are sexy teams now. They're gonna make it if they try. Loving, learning, sharing, judging. Time to laugh and chill around. Snap out of it! You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland, and my guest is one of my babies. She has been on how many? Lilypad, how many have you been on? I have no idea. <laughs> it's Lillian, 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 Edith, 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 Martin. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> Scott Pocket. <laughs> so. What are we talking about? We are talking about Clone High. Specifically, Episode 10, Litter Kills. Literally. It's, it's a play on words. So, uh, what is the TV Guide rule for this? You're reading TV Guide, and what would it say for this episode? Um, do you want me to give an actual description or my shit-eating, snarky description snark, that snark, I always end snark, up doing? Snark. So, here's the description. MTV keeps canceling the wrong shows. <laughs> okay, the actual description. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I just imagine I, like, I was looking I at a I TV guide, and, all... and and it says this this episode is going to be the last of of two. Uh, JFK deals with the death of his best friend Ponce, who has literally never appeared in the show until this point. While the stigma of litter hangs overhead. So, Clone High was created by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the men behind Lego Movie. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, Last Man on Earth. Yes. like they Spider-Verse. Did, yeah, Spider-Verse 21 and 22 Jump Street. They got fired from Solo. These men... <laughs> are amazing and the fact mm-hmm. that they had this was like their first real thing i guess bill lawrence the creator of scrubs uh saw these guys at ucb and he's like anything you want to do and they're like we want to create a cartoon that's a play on dawson's creek great love it but it's the clones of dead <laughs> dead historians and he's like even better yeah this is a very high concept show that's just way too surreal and high concept for it to be on MTV of all places. It it's also a really smart show. So Oh yeah. So the the premise is that uh these clones it's the cl- the main 
characters, the five main characters are... Are you about to say it's the Clone Wars? No, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So the five main characters are the reanimated clone body of Cleopatra, Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy... Uh, Joan, Joan of Arc. I almost said Joan of Arcadia. <laughs> and her dad, Joe Montaigne. Um, and the one that people had the most problem with was Gandhi. Yeah, that's the thing that got them in the most hot water, which, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily holds up as, like, in a modern context. Because, like, that's the thing. This is an aught show, so it has a lot of that aught humor and aught sensibilities that maybe didn't quite age very well going into, uh, you know, the 10s and the 20s. But it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's... We've said on this podcast so many times that the aughts were so crazy because of, unfortunately, September 11th. They they greenlit anything that was dumb and stupid and would help you distract yourself from the pain of this tragedy that happened mm. and one this of was th- like 2002 yeah. to 2003 i think yeah like a year a year after it snl finally got back on track like but the stuff that that was coming out was like josie and the pussycats and like scooby-doo and all of this like really weird stuff and clone that, high was one was... of those things that was the uh, season, and he probably got the gig for this from that. That introduced that, that introduced SNL to one of my personal all-time favorite SNL cast members, Will Forte. Probably, I would say his best run of SNL was when they added um, Sandberg and Bill Hader because he finally had people who could play off him. Not, not only that, but and I feel like they were... I feel like they were the only ones who really got Will Forte's sort of surreal sensibilities because, like, all the sketches that he wrote were always the weirdest and most, you know, once again, high concept, like the Falconer and the Spelling Bee and all that sort of stuff. MacGruber, like... Right. So, like, Forte's main guys that he used to write with when he was a writer for Third Rock from the Sun and... um uh, that 70s show. So when Will Forte was like eight, 19 years old or 20 years old, Bonnie and Terry Turner from SNL saw him and thought he was a genius and he ended up writing for all of their stuff. But the the person persons, I should say, that he brought with him were Lord and Miller. So they they never forgot that and they ended up just putting him in everything. That's why he'll be like a random voice in like the Lego movie or Cloudy Yeah, with now the he's just peoples. in all of their stuff. Right. And this started it. And we we were talking uh off mic about how Abe Lincoln is kind of a bitch. <laughs> Will Forte voices Abe Lincoln. I don't think we mentioned that. Yes, Will Forte is Abe Lincoln. Krista Miller uh from Scrubs and Drew Carey's show plays Cleopatra. Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV plays Joan of Arc. Chris Miller plays JFK and the great Michael McDonald, not the taking it to the street. Uh Mad TV's Michael McDonald. <laughs> what if it was Michael I McDonald? G <laughs> spot hits the G spot. 
I wish they did did a play of that because there is an episode of this series where Gandhi writes a hit rap song and all he does is say G spot, which is his rap name, hits the yep. G spot. But if it was Michael McDonald, <laughs> do 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 that- do. I remember that episode not being, like, great by Clone High standards, but it does have one of my all-time favorite lines in the entirety of the show. Like, when he hooks up with JFK to, like, when he starts Oh, I know what you're going to say. I know what And, like, you're JFK say. is just like, I'm going to take your song, and I'm going to remix it. It's like I'm taking the song, and I'm remixing the mix. It's a sample. Sample. I'm going to take it. Ca- I call I it. I call it. Song Song-taking. stealing. <laughs> I love that. I knew I I had a feeling. It's like this is a Lil's joke because it had it has big the bus that couldn't slow down energy. <laughs> it was about a bus that reached a certain speed and then it couldn't stop. I think it was called the bus that wouldn't slow down. Uh, it's like that movie. It's like that movie where Ernest goes to camp. I think it was Ernest. Ernest Going to camp. I think it's called... Ernest goes to prison. (laughs) Slam dunk Ernest. Um, There will be be blood. Can you guess what my favorite joke of... (laughs) Of the show? Yeah. Um, Is it one that comes from uh, Scudworth or or Butler Tron? No, it comes from JFK. Okay. It's literally in this... this It's in... I think I have an idea of which one it is then, but what is it? should we um should we just wait till we actually get into uh no. like talking about the ep- okay. Is it the part where he goes, I'm a Kennedy, I'm not used to tragedy. Yes. <laughs> I'm a Kennedy! No, I'm not accustomed to tragedy. You know the last thing Port said to me? He said, I hate you. Oh yeah? Well, you want to know the last thing Ponce told me? He told me that you were a good dude. Really? Ponce said that? <laughs> it's such a. Th- so, my two favorite lines are in this episode that and he goes, I'm just going to sleep in here with you, Ponce. And then he just r- closes the coffin, wakes up screaming, and goes, There's a dead guy in here. The, there's one line that made like I was watching it with uh, my partner Seuss, and there was one, there was one short for Susan, and there was one line that both made us absolutely lose it. That I'll get to once we actually start talking about, you know, the the actual glut of the story. Yeah. So the basic uh, tease of this episode from a previous episode was that on the next episode of Clone Eye, one of the beloved cast members is going to die. And then at the opening of this one, they clearly insert a new character and they make reference that it's that's what they're doing. They're creating a new character who's been on the show the entire time. The sad part is that it's it's the late great Luke Perry. Yeah. That's that's unfortunate in retrospect. Honestly, everyone used to make fun of Luke Perry, but I fucking love him. Like he was in Fifth Element. He was in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He knew like, that the stuff he was doing was a joke, so he would just lean into it. That's why he was Krusty the Clown's stepbrother. <laughs> yeah, I like that when someone's just self-aware of the, enough of like their own 
like how the public perceives them that they can just sort of play with that. So basically, Ponce de Leon looks exactly like Luke Perry. <laughs> See, I thought like he also looked a little bit like James Dean a little bit too. But now that I think of it, they actually had James Dean as a character, so that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Um, but like, also- here, here's the thing that's that makes Clone High so great is that it's funny on like just three different levels. One on the whole sort of like you know Lord and Miller, their their sort of very surreal sensibilities and sense of humor. Two, all like the sort of you know cheeky historical references that ga- that made like the JFK thing. And third, and I think this is where it shines the most. It's that it's very good at lampooning all of the best tro- all of like the most ridiculous tropes of those teen drama shows like Dawson's Creek and Nine Hundred Two I Know, like we mentioned. Yeah, and. Because, like, every episode is basically based on one of those kinds of episodes. Because the crazy thing about those shows, like, specifically Dawson's Creek and 90210, the the main character of the show, Dawson or Jason Priestley's character, Brandon, were supposed to be these affable, lovable guys who you just want to see end up with the girl. But as the show went on, their characters were just such douchebags. And then the womanizing, like... You know, guy who was supposed to be the jerk, Pacey on Dawson's Creek, or uh, Dylan, who was Luke Perry's character, who was supposed to be the womanizer, they end up being the ones that you like the most. <laughs> like, like, and that's kind of what Clone High does. You're supposed to be rooting for, for Joan and Abe to finally get together, but then you realize Abe is like a massive dick. And, and spoilers for the end of the series... Joan ends up relating to JFK. Hmm. Yeah. If they had been given like another season, I I really wonder how that would have, you know, eventually just sort of, you know, how that would have come out in the writing. Oh, Lord Miller talked about what season two was supposed to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Basically, they got rid of the the evil delegation of the sinister people, whatever the hell they're called, but. He, uh, Scudworth basically erases everyone's memory, and they they don't they don't remember. <laughs> that's that's so good. Cinnamon J. Scudworth is the principal of the high school. He is played by Phil Lord. He is by far one of the best characters on the show. So apparently, that the, his tirade that he goes on uh, about uh, go, losing his subway card. Or his submarine sandwich card, and like, like I went to the submarine sandwich place, and I finally had a free submarine sandwich. But then they wouldn't honor it because I couldn't find my card. Apparently, that he just riffed on that in the actual sound booth because that happened to him right before he went to recording. Yeah, this episode isn't a very like Scudworth heavy episode, but like when he gets a spotlight, it's always like one of the best parts of an episode. Well, in this episode, he just hates the janitor who is Ponce de Leon's foster dad. And this man is grieving that his 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 son is dead, and Scudworth is just being a massive dick because he doesn't like him. <laughs> like there's literally a line where he's like my son's dead and I'm giving his eulogy. Can't this wait? And he's like, oh, he'll still be dead. <laughs> and then, like, after he gets fired, spoiler alert, I guess. Yes. And it's just sort of like, but my son died. Well, now think of now you have a lot more time to spend with your family. 
Cinnamon J. Scoworth. Um, mm. Mr. Mr. Butlertron was originally supposed to be called Mr. Belvatron, and that's why he looks exactly like Mr. Mr. Belvedere and always calls everyone Wesley. Wesley. But I guess the creator of Mr. Belvedere found out that they were doing this and threatened to sue them. So that's so they, such a petty thing to sue over. <laughs> I kind of find it funny. I think it's a little funny <laughs> because it's funny, but also just like incredibly dickish at the same time. <laughs> so that's why he looks exactly like Mr. Belvedere still and calls everyone Wesley. Yeah, I I don't think anyone's fooled like at all, <laughs> except maybe the creator. Like maybe that was enough for him to be like, oh, it's a completely different character now, so it's okay. So, um, Joan, yeah, I bit my tongue. Fuck, that hurt. <laughs> so, Joan of Arc, her whole plight in this episode is to get people to start recycling and stop littering and all that. Where Gandhi's storyline is he gets Adidas orange, uh, tracksuit, or what were they calling it back then? Trainers? Um, I, I forget. And, but yeah, it's basically a tra- it's a track suit, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a velour jogging suit, and he gets mistaken for a criminal and ends up going to prison. And I think his side story is my favorite. Really? Because I kind of found that to be like the weakest point of the, like the weaker part of the episode. Michael McDonald's character, who has the name of a very famous historical figure. Is so. I, I think it's important to reiterate in this case that they are clones, not the actual historical figures. Yes, but the character that Michael McDonald plays, who is the clone of Gandhi, which I wish they called him something else, is so oblivious to the fact of what's going on in prison that when Joan goes to visit him, he's like, I haven't gotten a high five because he's supposed to be like, He's supposed to be like the the Seth Green from Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, he's the party dude. Yeah, and he's like, no one's giving me a high five. All the guys next to me are getting high fives, and they're clearly getting... They're very clearly getting handies. (laughs) Since we're bringing that up, I might as well say the joke that uh, made Seuss and I just absolutely lose it. Um, There's a point where Gandhi just sort of finally, you know, connects and makes friends with all of the other convicts. And one of them like is played the, the, by Don Novella. <laughs> right, right. And Donald Faison. Yeah. Um, well, Donald well, Faison he, he, he's, was. He, he, he plays a lot of characters in the show. That because has a, the show has a lot of scrubs people in it. Do you want to know why? Or let's sit, tell your, tell your joke and I'll, I'll tell you why. Well, like the main, the main story of the episode is that JFK's heretofore unforeseen friend, Ponce de Leon, dies because of litter. Well, ex- hang on, stay with us. <laughs> And while Gandhi is in prison, he's just sort of, you know, just having a heart-to-heart with the convicts. And at one point he tells them, like, my friend died, and he was white and privileged. And the convicts all go, (gasps) (laughs) I forgot that joke was in there. And when Seuss and I heard it, that was, like, that was the the moment for us. Even though I think the Gandhi storyline is the weaker one of the two of the overarching storylines, that one had like the best joke of the episode. So the reason why Donald Faison, Neil Flynn, and like basically the entire cast of Scrubs, including Michael J. Fox, who was guest starring on Scrubs at the time, was Gandhi's remaining kidney. Um, right. 
it's because, and Zach Braff appeared like once or twice. I think. Yeah, too. he was Paul Revere, and then he was also the extreme blue guy. The reason why everyone from Scrubs was there is because the recording booth was in the Scrubs hospital. So the soundstage for Scrubs was this old hospital that they gutted, and the the recording booth was in what I guess used to be an MRI machine room. Oh man! So so they would basically just grab Donald Faison or uh, um, Sarah Chalk or Krista Miller, and they would just take the elevator. Or Marilyn to the Manson. I don't remember. He was Marilyn. in Scrubs, right? Yeah, I don't remember his episode. His was probably about self mutilation. Um, <laughs> I want to hear Marilyn Manson's cover. Yeah, I want to hear Marilyn Manson's cover of "I'm No Superman." <laughs> um, so yeah, Donald Faison would just always love hanging out with those guys because they were so funny that they just kept writing him in, and he would just go into the sound booth. I think my favorite character he does, uh, I don't know if it's Toots or if it's um, George uh, Washington. George Carver. Washington Carver. I oh another joke that I I love on this series is uh, Fat Elvis and Skinny Elvis, <laughs> the, the twins of Elvis. <laughs> well, log- once again, once again, playing with the whole historical jokes, and the place that they go to their peach pit or their max is called the Grassy Knoll. <laughs> So, There's just so many layers to this show. Like, how did it end up on MTV of all places? And MTV did not treat it properly either. Well, MTV was looking for a show because Daria had just ended after like five seasons. Oh, okay. So they were looking for a new Daria. And they just didn't give it the attention that they gave Daria or Beavis and Butthead. Mm. Um, so, and I, I honestly think they just didn't get it. They're like, so why is John Stamos here? Why is Marilyn Manson singing about the five basic food groups? Like, our four basic food groups. They didn't get it. In Jack Black, <laughs> at the height of Tenacious D. I'm a turmaloran with bands and four cops. First they'll smoke raisins and they'll shoot up apricots. I know you can't resist me. Do you want to smoke some fruit? Check out my sweet ass matching pants suit. Right. Um, of course, he's in the rock musical episode. So the the craziest thing about this episode is not that they create a character that we're supposed to all love and then he dies. It's that they do that and then you kind of end up being endeared to Ponce de Leon and then he dies. Well, I mean, that's part of what makes it incredibly funny, though. Oh, another line that I love in this episode is when uh, they open up the the show and they're just goofing around outside. I love when Julius Caesar goes, Oh, Ponce, you are a regular character. The whole... I, I think I like this episode. This has always been one of my favorite episodes because I think it's very JFK-centric. And JFK is probably one of the funniest things about this show. Ponce de Leon was my best friend. He left me these pants. They're Ponce's pants. Ponce's pants. Stand up! I know you're not really dead. Stand up or I'll suck you one! Oh my god. I just killed my dead friend! Ponce, I'm gonna sleep here next to you. Ah! 
Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I, I got to say that good old JFK. Also, how pathetic he is in this episode, how he can't stop crying. I killed my best friend. <laughs> Why couldn't Ponce de Leon have three lives like Mario? I also love when he's like, wake up, buddy. <laughs> wake up or I'll punch you. Oh, my God, I killed my dead friend. And when the subconscious ghost of, of Ponce shows up, and he's like, you're a g -g -g dead guy. <laughs> so Chris Miller also played uh, Mr. Butlertron, and I find that so weird because as JFK and as Mr. Butlertron, it's like two very drastically different people. One is a very selfish person who probably has a good heart then the other one is this robot who is like the guidance counselor found it it was in the bathroom next to your ym and your bm wesley the guidance counselor who's simultaneously trying to help everyone but also just completely sick of everyone's shit yeah i just love when he's counseling joan and he's like maybe you should tell him because maybe it's you that he wants. Uh, the show is just amazing. Yeah. The thing that doesn't really age well is there is a lot of sexism in the series, especially from JFK. Originally, right. originally we were supposed to do the film festival episode, but there is a very problematic thing with that that I'm not going to go into. But if you watch the episode, as soon as you see it, you'll know what we're talking about. Mm. But as you were saying before, it's the early aughts and like they didn't really care and like PC-ness wasn't a thing. Yeah, Pre pretty much. Also, uh, this is going to sound bad, but I find Cleo to be the most annoying character. Like, a Well, they don't really like, you know... Like she's she doesn't re in the in the entirety of the series, I feel like she doesn't really get much to do. Like she's just there to be like, I mean, it's a show that's intended to like parody tropes, but she's pretty much there just to be like a completely straight trope of just like you know, the unattainable like hot girl or anything like that who's but just kind of like stuck up. But he but Abe obtains her in the first episode or the second episode. Well, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> I will say that I love that Ponce points out that uh, Cleo and um, Abe should go to... What is it called? Oh, I, far, I, I forget. <laughs> it was like Hot Sexy Teen Cove or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Like, do it, Cove. But um, I just love them cutting to Abe's heart, and it's that classic <laughs> Will Forte scream. Right. Let's go to Teen Sex Cove. Um, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and I will say that the, the imagery of them making out in the front seat of the car and then cut to JFK in the back... <laughs> 
It's okay. Playing playing Game Boy. I I also do love how needy JFK is, and when what's his name when Abe hugs him on on clearly Dawson's Creek, he goes, right. he's like, get off me, hold me. That very clearly Dawson's Creek shows up in a number of episodes. Well, that's what like this clearly was the basis for like Dawson's Creek was the basis for this show. Oh, totally. Um but the the weird thing is the show doesn't I mean, the jokes kind of age, but this whole trope is now coming back with like Riverdale where on Riverdale you're supposed to root for Archie, but Archie is like the worst character on the show. I mean, I'm sure Riverdale is trying to play it as like, oh, this is a throwback. We're paying tribute to that. But at the same time, if it's falling into all of those tropes, then like it really feels like nothing much has been learned. Yeah, basically, Riverdale is the way Clone High makes fun of it, that like everyone is just so nonchalantly having sex, where that's the case with Riverdale. Everyone is nonchalantly having sex with each other where on like Dawson's Creek yeah it's like they waited like five seasons or to like address that to have the sex episode right <laughs> where like I think it's maybe four episodes into Riverdale just everyone is sleeping with everyone <laughs> and that's what they do on Clone High where like out of nowhere everyone just starts banging <laughs> What what was the joke with Cleo where she just keeps talking about all the guys that she like slept with and apes like that guy? <laughs> um. So yeah. Mm. Uh. So let's talk about the actual funeral scene, or uh, let's talk about Ponce's actual death scene because it's oh yeah, so he graphic. dies gorily. It is a very dark and graphic death. Like it's like it's that kind of dark and graphic that's just also so ridiculous that you can't help but laugh because it's like he because he literally dies from litter. Yeah, so he gets handcuffed by the the can by a six pack holder, six pack holder, um, and then he gets slashed in the neck by by chocolate wrappers. <laughs> he gets a juice box stuck into his neck as well, and a. Uh, a plastic bag goes over his face and suffocates him as he bleeds into it. And he, like, hits his head on, like, some other piece of trash, like, as he hits the ground, I think, too. Well, the crazy the crazy thing about Lord and Miller's script for this episode is the subtext, because if you think about it, the reason why Ponce was littering was so that his dad could continue to have a job. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> like... And it's kind of sad and depressing when you do think about it. Also, the janitor from this episode is supposed to be the janitor from Scrubs. Hmm. Literally has right. same voice and same name. Right. Um. But this episode, not to go back to our old buddy David Lynch, this is a very David Lynch episode. Did someone say my name? Hey, David. Oh, hi. Hello, David. I am also David. Do you think we've been cloned? That's a distinct possibility. The question remains, which one of us is the true David Lynch? Well, 
Let's point a gun at each other. Gentlemen's fight. I would have suggested that anyway. As would I. Turn on the Roy Orbison. <laughs> Crying. Oh, no, not that one. Blue velvet. <laughs> I'm so tired of being lonely. <laughs> but yeah, um, th- this is a very David Lynch episode because like everyone mourns Ponce de Leon and the funeral which actually uh, people can't see this but on the zoom call my background is the funeral of Ponce de Leon <laughs> I always wondered in like TV shows and movies appropriate thank you I always wondered in TV shows and movies how they they were able to get a giant like 20 foot framed photo of the person who died like in cruel intentions and like other tv shows is this like a thing yeah especially that quickly too that's like a very quick turnaround from the print shop (laughs) there's just a guy who maybe it's the photoshop guy he's responsible for all of these dead kids he's just killing them (laughs) i need a giant photo of this guy it's for a dead guy. Oh, we'll get right, get right on it. You you got that done surprisingly fast. This is the best part of the job. Making photos for dead people? Specifically dead teens? I've said too much. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're damn you, right you've said too much. You should probably get in your car and uh, go down that very steep hill into that ravine. I'm sure your brakes are working fine. You should go drive to hell. But it that would be amazing if that was just one guy in town's job and it, it was so lucrative that he has, like, a giant photo of Ryan Phillippe from Cruel Intentions. <laughs> or, spoiler alert for the end of Dawson's Creek, a giant framed photo of Michelle Williams. And that's a lucrative enough industry for him to have, like, a Maserati and a pool and stuff like that. Everything's coming up me. Don Photo Guy. <laughs> Don Photoman. Don Photographier. <laughs> he goes home to his wife who loves him and his son who doesn't get him. His son Kodak and his <laughs> wife Polaroid. I understand the son, but why did his wife change her name? Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, but I want to talk about JFK's freak out. His freak at the funeral at the funeral, and then for the rest of the episode is just like Chef's kiss, perfect. Because, <laughs> because he clearly, I don't think Ponce left him his pants. I'm pretty sure he just stole Ponce's pants from the casket. I think what would have been perfect is if he had just been wearing the pants for the entire rest of the episode. Yeah. Because I I noticed watching it this time that he's wearing Ponce de Leon's MC Hammer puffy pants, but he has his regular suit pants. So I'm pretty sure before everyone else got there, he... Yeah, he he just broke in and stole Ponce de Leon's Explorer of the New World puffy pants. From, from the actual casket. Because, like, he falls out of the casket and he's just in tighty-whitey underwear. Yes. Wake up, buddy! I just, like, him going through the stages of grief are so funny. <laughs> like, denial, um, anger. 
acceptance at the Depression. end. Depression. Yeah. But the the denial and him going into the casket going, we're just going to sleep here, Ponce. <laughs> and the image of him closing the casket very lovingly and everyone just not saying a word. And then him popping up like a jack-in-the-box and screaming. <laughs> it gets me every time. I think what really made that extra funny was the fact that there was just that long no reaction beat between him closing the casket and him popping back up just scared as hell. Yeah, like like no one was like, uh, maybe... As, as if it's trying to present this weird moment as like some sort of solemn kind of thing. <laughs> I also love when they cut to the cheerleaders. They're not saying anything. They're just waving their pom-poms in the air. They're black funeral-appropriate pom-poms, of course. Yeah. And once again, the eulogy given by by the janitor and him being interrupted by Scudworth is just priceless because it shows you With, how selfish. And there's, there's like a banner in the background that also says like, happy birthday. Pons. It says happy, happy birthday, birthday is crossed out. <laughs> so, so he clearly died on his birthday. That's the messed up thing. I, I just find that hysterical. Also a little fun fact at the end of the episode, they actually said, Farewell, Ponce de Leon, and then they gave the date that... <laughs> right. When the actual historical Ponce yeah. de Leon... 1400-whatever to 15... To 1570-something or yeah. whatever. Like 1496 to 15. <laughs> but I still... I still think that the, the casting of Luke Perry is perfect. Like, I I bet they tried to get Jason Priestley and, like... Brian Austin Green and other 90210 people and Luke Perry's like I'll do it. Hmm. And like he 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 freaking does it with the role. <laughs> hey there love bugs. <laughs> and like I think what makes it extra funny is that it really sounds like he's trying to play everything completely straight even though it's completely insane the words coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Also him saying like when he leaves every single room, like, well, if this is the last time I see you. Well, I got a bolt. If I don't see you guys again, goodbye and have a wonderful life. <laughs> Why do you always say that, Ponce? It's just my thing, man. I love life. So he like I mentioned that. <laughs> So like I mentioned earlier, like every single episode is basically parodying every sort of like you know, any conceivable you know, tropey kind of episode for these shows. Yes. In this one, it's kind of doing like both like the death of someone, like a death of a friend, dealing so, with that, and and also like the sort of issue episode of just like because they treat pollution, they treat like well, not just pollution, but I feel like they treat like littering, like how they say like oh, littering is cool and all that sort of stuff. They treat it like drugs in a lot of ways. <laughs> Committing murder is or, awesome. Or or at least how they depict drugs in, like, those kind of ridiculous after-school specials. Drugs are cool. Murder's awesome. <laughs> so is littering. Um, so this is actually... The Death of Ponce de Leon is based on the episode of Dawson's Creek where Dawson's dad, who is played by John Wesley Shipp, who was the Flash in the 90s TV series... Wow. Um, out of nowhere... And keep in mind, John Wesley Shipp is still alive... They just killed him off the show. Out of nowhere, he 
Dawson's dad just dies of a massive heart attack, and it makes no sense because uh, uh, Mr. Leary is basically jacked and in really good shape. Hmm. Like, out of nowhere, Dawson just gets a phone call from his mom in tears, and he's like, what's wrong? Your dad's dead. He had a heart attack. Are, are you sure? And, and like, what? I mean, no one expected Jim Fix to die. Yeah. Yeah, so... That that's just the craziest thing, um, mm. and that's what this is based on. Is that episode of Dawson's Creek, like literally, because <laughs> he was a regular character. Dawson's dad, even though he wasn't like one of the main guys on the show, he was part of the cast. Like his name was in the credits. Mm. He was a major recurring character, right? Um, Does he also get into the casket with his dad? No, <laughs> no, but. The whole Sarah McLaughlin parody was based on <laughs> that that song that they do. <laughs> I th- was that Sarah McLaughlin? I think it was. Uh, maybe I wouldn't put it by her to do that, but like just the lyric, like it sounds like a pitch perfect Sarah McLaughlin song, and then the lyrics are just like "When you're dead, <laughs> I will remember Ponce." Do 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 do. You and your bloated corpse. Do, 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 do. But uh yeah. So so that's what that's what the death of Ponce Leon is based on. But how pathetic uh JFK is for the rest of the episode is I think that's what really endeared me to, to JFK because in the, the first episode you're supposed to hate him. I think the first two episodes, because he's like, Era, it is bullshit that you guys are together, Era. <laughs> and then, like, when they just have him buddy up with, with Gandhi, like, that's when the episode gets really good. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's that uh, uh, song-stealing <laughs> episode or um, getting... Him trying Ga- to teach Gandhi how to be more like JFK. yeah. When, when they're doing My Fair Lady. For supper, I uh, want a party platter. For supper, I want a party platter. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, JFK is... I, I would say he's like the equivalent of Neil Patrick Harris's character on How I Met Your Mother. Like, womanizer, mm. you shouldn't like him, but he's very endearing. Right. And um, I do love when when Ponce Leon shows up as the Figment Ghost, and and he's like, Ponce, you're alive, buddy. And then he thinks Ponce is a genie. <laughs> he's a genie. He lives in my for mind. My first, for my first wish, I want my friend Ponce back. Ponce, Ponce, you're alive. <laughs> How many times do you think Chris Miller had to do that? I, I just... This show is just so brilliant. Um, let's talk about some other episodes. There is literally... We talked about the rock opera episode. Right. That is literally hair. They're doing the musical hair. Yeah, except uh, they're smoking raisins. Yes, instead in of it. weed. <laughs> You know that on on our other podcast, we're going to probably have to do hair, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, 
But yes, so uh, what's his name? Jack Black plays uh, the pusher. The pusher, but he also has a different name, like Barry Talent or something like that. Oh, yeah, Larry Hardcore. Like, Larry Hardcore. When he's like the guy pretending to like say kids say no to drugs. Yes, and he's like, you shouldn't smoke raisins because they'll get you high. Um, but at that time, Jack Black was doing School of Rock. Uh, Haley and I just watched The Holiday, Nancy Myers' The Holiday with Jack Black as one of the romantic leads. And mm-hmm. I gotta say, Jack Black is incredibly charming and handsome in that movie. Like, oh, yeah? you wouldn't believe how handsome Jack Black is in this movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it. There's literally a scene of him in a video store. That's how old this, this movie is. And that's old. Yeah. Uh he plays uh, a movie composer. He composes movies um scores and he's just picking up different boxes and doing the score to the movie and he picks up Driving Miss Daisy and he goes Scooby Dooby Doo to Skilly Doo 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 Scrumba Dumba Dumba Dooby Doop Doop And uh just Jack Black I think the aughts was really his time that he's shown. Like yeah, pretty much. And the fact that they got him when he was in School of Rock and very at the top of his game on this show was incredible. And it wasn't just him. They got John Stamos. They got Luke Perry. Um, Marilyn Manson, as we mentioned. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Marilyn Manson is not a nice man. <laughs> I've heard stories. No, he's not. I've heard really bad stories about him. Yeah, that's why we rip on him, though. Um, isn't Mandy Moore in an episode as like a yeah, like at the very end of this episode we were talking about actually, like there's a preview for the next one that Mandy Moore is in, and she's just like, like yeah, there's winter for everyone. That's right. Now say Clone High is good. Clone High is good. That's <laughs> nice. Have a sweet tart. And also they have Ashley Parker, Angel from O Town. Yeah, he's someone who lasted in the public consciousness. Ugh. I've heard stories about, just, like... Just another, just another another artifact of the aughts, for sure. So, I heard stories that, um, keep in mind, this is before COVID, but O-Town was just going around, um, touring at various different bars and pubs, like, throughout the country. That, that's, a, that's a good place for a boy band. And it just sounds so depressing, because uh, they're just doing it because all of these, like, women who grew up in the early aughts and late 90s apparently they're just going to these bars to sleep with ashley parker angel and it's the saddest it's it sounds so depressing it does that's an unfortunate end to a career what's that noise oh it's just another nail in the coffin (laughs) tap 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 we've got to be going now why ashley I'm sorry, we've got to be going to Oscoda. <laughs> I'm sorry, we, we're going to Saskatoon. <laughs> Saskatoon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to Canada. Shut up. <laughs> we're going to Hell, Michigan. we got to go to Buxton, Maine. <laughs> Biloxi, Georgia. <laughs> we're going to Tallahassee and Jupiter. <laughs> We're going to Hollywood. Oh, neat. No, no. Hollywood, Florida. Oh, boy. Yeah, our biggest tour is through Florida. 
because that's where O Town is from. Oh, it's that's it, that's the hometown show. Yeah, because the O in O Town does not stand for orgasm; <laughs> stands for Orlando. <laughs> well, their biggest song was called Liquid Dream. I don't know what you want from me. Oh boy. But yeah, like he was the big star of that episode, and they kept referring to him as celebrity superstar Ashley Parker Angel like they knew he wasn't gonna go anywhere. <laughs> um I think that my favorite random guest appearance was John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox from Scrubs as the the uh JSAT's <laughs> prep ghost. Uh, I need to re. I really need to do like a deep dive rewatch of that show. There's so many. It's all on there's, YouTube. There's so many. I'm sure there's so many really good jokes that I just completely, just I completely missed. I, and like we, like I said before, like they literally would get some people just to do like a line of dialogue. They had Michael J. Like, Fox, like Michael J. Fox, as Gandhi's remaining kidney, and his only line is, "I miss him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, this is actually a fast one. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, that's what that's what happens when we like the subject material. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Like how vapid uh, Jonas <laughs> in this episode or in the series? Eh. Dealer's choice. Because she is pretty much just here to, you know, be the voice of reason about, like, oh, littering's not cool. And then then this poor man gets fired after the death of his child. And, oh. I guess we needed litter after all. Ugh. It's kind of <laughs> But depressing. in moderation. In moderation. I, I don't know how they're bringing this series back. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. But I hope are they, they are they trying to bring the series back. God, yeah, MTV is bringing it back with oh, Lord wow. Miller. Oh, oh, that's that's not gonna last. I think I think they're gonna get carte blanche. They, they if they couldn't like bring back if they couldn't do like a reboot of Beavis and Butthead that worked. I doubt they're gonna be able to do it with Clone High. Yeah, but Lils, these two men are superstars now. They're gonna maybe let, they're gonna let them do whatever they want because also Will Forte. I think that they canceled it because, like, this was a time when when TV shows and cartoons were getting, like, huge famous people to do voices. Mm. Like, Seth Green was on Family Guy. So they're like, Will Forte, no one knows who he is. And I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that it's coming back to MTV. Like, I would much rather it be on, like, you know, an FX or a TBS or just on a street or just on, like, Hulu or something. Yeah. Uh, so, as we get to bagels, how many bagels? Uh, how many bagels? <sighs> I've already forgotten. More bagels in the basket means you liked it, right? Yes. You've been on okay, this podcast this like 15 times. <laughs> I know. That's it. I'm making you watch The Sting again. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So more bagels means I have more bagels. Yeah, you have a baker's <laughs> dozen, Lils. Baker's dozen. Right. 13 bagels. Right. Okay, okay, I got it. So the amount of donuts I have. Oh my God, I'm going to murder you. I am only, go- I think I'm only going to take out two bagels. 
So. And leave 11 bagels in just because, like I said, Gandhi's storyline I didn't think was all that strong. But I won't take out too many bagels just because, as I said, it had the funniest line, in my opinion. Yeah. Other than that, everything was just, you know, hit perfectly. Yeah. Um, the series as a whole doesn't age as well, but this episode is great. I'm also going yeah. with 11. Um, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess that's what my other bagel is for if I'm taking two bagels out. Yeah, the the thing that annoys me the most in this episode is just Abe and the whole mm. he's trying to sleep with my girlfriend and the fact that he, he like just acts like such a dick and he's like you're just trying to sleep with her and then hands him his keys to the car. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'll tell you one joke that really has not aged well over time is the whole you're in prison to watch out for the showers. Yeah. Not even like it not even like in a homophobic sense or anything, but it's just such a hack premise just in general at this point. Also, when they, they're like, Oh, you were scared of us in the shower. Ha ha ha. That's not funny. It's really not, no. I was re watching one of the naked guns and he goes undercover uh in in a prison and like they purposely drop a bar of soap, and he's wearing like the chastity belt from um, Robin Hood, Prince of the uh, Robin Hood Men uh, in Tights, not Prince of the. <laughs> Whoops. Oh boy. And and like I was like, this is not funny. Like, uh, the nineties and early two thousands. Yep. Yep. Just a different time. The Fred Durst times. <laughs> what you want? What you want? <laughs> so, do you have anything to promote? Um, go check out Scott and my other podcast, uh, Hell is a Musical. I don't know when, uh, this is, this specific episode is going to come out, but our next this episode week. should be, oh, our next episode should be coming out this same week this comes out. We're doing, uh, we're doing the musical Pope Yee. Pope I? Poopy? Pope Yee. Yeah, Pope Yee. <laughs> Popeye. Yes, we're doing, no, we're doing Popeye. Robin Williams' film debut. Oh my God. A very, a very cokey film. Yeah, a film that was based on cocaine. Um, and uh, go check out the other podcast I do with our mutual friend Pat Barry, uh, Jukebox Zeros. We just started our fourth season not too long ago with uh, Cut the Crap, a very, very, actually quite crappy album by The Clash. Yeah, there's moments of that album where, like, you can tell that it could have been good. Yeah, you can, like, it, I say in the episode that there are remnants of what should have been a good song buried under just mounds of audio garbage. Who produced that one that went full Phil Spector? Uh, Bernard Rhodes, who was, their, uh, ma- who was their manager, like, from the beginning, got fired, came back, and then somehow got it in his head that he could produce a record, even though he had no experience with sound recording whatsoever. Ugh. <sighs> And, like, Joe Strummer was dealing with very heavy depression because his parents died and he felt guilty about kicking Mick Jones and Topper Heaton out, so he just didn't exert any control over the album whatsoever. So you could say he was a real JFK. (laughs) Did he also have a tattoo that said two peas in a pod? (laughs) Yes, and he climbed into the coffin of his dead parents. (laughs) Uh, Lilypad, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Oh, I don't think you mentioned that this was for like, this is like animation month or whatever, right? Not your average Saturday morning, but I, I mean, I've mentioned that 
the previous two episodes. <laughs> and and there is a little little banner that goes on top of it. Oh. So but yes, we're well, ending good, good, good consistency. <laughs> so we're ending out this month of Not Your Average Saturday morning. Thanks, Lils. With Yay. with with our buddy uh Mr. Christopher Brown coming back. Yeah, coming back to do Joe Dante's Explorers. So you can find that on Amazon Prime and wherever fine videos are sold. So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. Bye.